If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to read, uh, uh, I know it's going to may seem a little lengthy, but I'm going to read 20 verses here, and then I'm going to read one from 1 Corinthians 15, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll get right into this. And uh, the Lord just spoke this to me today, and uh, actually on uh, Monday, I believe it was, but I didn't really start pulling it together until uh, sometime today, and I'm just so grateful for uh, the word that he gives, he knows exactly what we need when we need it. Amen. And so um, in First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, when you get there, say amen. The Bible says this. Now, there was a certain man of uh, Ramah, Ramah uh, however you say that, amen, Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, uh, 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 the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of uh, his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Make note of that. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept. And did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. And now Eli the priest uh, sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a, ch- a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. And now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but Her voice was not heard, therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial or the devil, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way. She did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Take note of that. And they arose up in the morning early, worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because 
I have asked him of the Lord. And I just want to quote one scripture out of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. And this is what it says. And I'm really just using this as a backdrop or a, a supporting scripture to kind of make a point at the end. But he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, Paul said this after all the words of 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I just simply want to preach tonight, teach, speak, whatever, however God wants to bring it about, a thought entitled, The Grace of Godly Desire. The Grace of Godly Desire. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this opportunity to come and to break open the bread of life and to minister the word of God tonight. And Lord, as we begin to, as I begin to speak, I pray that you'll put words in my mouth and that you will just allow your word to come up within me. And Lord, the spirit of God just to come upon me and minister to this congregation tonight. Lord, that what you have put in my heart, I can convey, Lord. Only you can do that, Lord. Only you can give the tongue of the learned to speak a word in due season to the weary. Only you, Father God, can begin to speak life. And so I ask you to do that tonight and that you would anoint these lips of clay and that your will would be done and lives would be impacted and we'd leave here different than we came. In Jesus' name, I ask your blessing upon the word. And everyone said, Amen. Now I'm speaking tonight on this thought, grace of a godly desire. The grace of godly desire. You know, Paul said in Philippians 2 verse 13 that it is God that works in you to will and to do of His good pleasure. It's God that's behind that. It's God that generates it. It's God that puts it in you. It's God that is working to will and to do uh, in you. For his good pleasure. I am learning. I haven't learned completely, but I'm learning because God is always surprising me and always, uh, you know, just blowing my mind with how awesome he is. But I'm learning the awesomeness of God's desire that he puts within us. The awesome desire that he puts within us. It's something outside of ourselves. It's, it's God in, in, in us. You know, the Bible says that we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. It's Christ in you. Amen. And uh, I'm learning how awesome that is. You know, God may use a scripture to speak something to you and it stirs your heart. He may use a message. He may use a song. He may use something that a preacher preaches. He may even use a trial of provocation to begin to show you something awesome about the desire that he put within you. But it's God's desire and it's his grace that has brought that about in your heart and my heart. And I, I just, as I began to study this and dwell on it and look at Hannah's life, I was so blessed, you know, about how uh, she was she was driven in a way, provoked, I'd rather use the word provoked, or drawn into a place that took her into an awesome place in God. She saw an awesome outcome, and, and we're even blessed by it today by having the book of Samuel here before us as the patriarch and the priest and, and prophet of the Old Testament. But uh, it's so beautifully displayed as I look at this about desire in First Samuel and the story of Hannah. I want you to remember before there was a Samuel, God had a Hannah. 
Amen. Before there was ever a Samuel the prophet, God had a Hannah. And her life, her approach and pursuit of God is how ours is to be. We're to be people that are always, you know, striving, always abounding, always pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. The Apostle Paul said, I want to know him. And if anybody knew God, I know the Apostle Paul knew God. But he said, I want to know him. There was a knowledge, there was an experience, there was an encounter with God that he wanted that was greater than where he was and what he had. And so I know that it's possible. I heard uh, A.W. Tozer years ago. I didn't hear him, but I read it in a book. He said, he said that we can have as much of God as we want. And he said, every person that has come to Christ, he said, and where they're at in God, in their walk, in their faith, in their maturity, in their worship, everything, in every area of their life, what they have in God is what they want in God. So for surely we can have as much as we want, but for surely we have as much as we want. That is very sobering to you and I because that always speaks that we can have more. Amen. We can have more. And I don't want you tonight to limit yourself, but know that we serve a God, amen, who, who, who wants to pour out His Spirit upon us, teach us His Word, give us revelation. And I'm not talking about some newfangled, you know, uh, an unbiblical kind of a revelation. I'm just talking about making what's already there come alive in your heart and in your life and change you and cause you to grow. But I was just thinking about this today. You know, Hannah had a life and approach and a pursuit of God and that's how we're supposed to be you know also when I look at her life I look at it as a type you know there's always types and shadows in the Bible and maybe this isn't you know a, a type and a shadow like the lamb of God or the oil or the the water or something of that nature or the manna from heaven the bread that came down from heaven but when I look at this when I say type what I mean is that we are to be spiritual fruitful in our lives and when we're not we're barren oftentimes you know uh, you know there's a provocation that comes and with her there was a provocation and we go through things in our life that show us there's a barrenness there there's a barrenness there and God wants us to be fruitful amen he wants us to be fruit bearing believers so God had shut up her womb and her adversary had provoked her and there have been a lot of reasons as I read that I thought Lord why this and he said there are a lot of reasons he said look at your life Jonathan there are a lot of reasons that 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 you have went to prayer in desperate prayer you've went to your knees in desperate prayer throughout your life there's a lot of things that brought you to that place Satan's attack is one the devil attacks and we're driven to our knees to cry out to God and there's also oftentimes outside circumstances that that, you know, uh, that maybe don't even have anything to do with us, but it's something that we're praying to unto God for, and it takes us to our knees. I have somebody right now that I was close to that was in this church, and they left, they backslid, and now they're away from God, and it's a tragic thing in my heart, and my heart grieves over it, but it's not my life, but I'm praying for them because I want them to get right with God, because where
where they're at. They've made a decision. I'm not going to struggle anymore. I'm just going to give in to the devil and do whatever my flesh tells me it wants to do. And the Lord spoke that to me. He said the moment, and I'm taking a sidebar here, but he said the moment that there's no more struggle is the moment you give up. Amen. We're fighting every day this good fight of faith. Amen. We're fighting against the enemy that's trying to take us out. But the moment you say, I don't have to fight anymore. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do that's going to feel good and I'm not going to worry about the consequences is the moment you stop struggling and fighting, amen, against that which is trying to destroy you. There are things that take us to our knees. And one particular person just this past week, their situation drove me to my knees. So there are things that cause us to get on our knees and pray. But I want to share with you tonight, because we're talking about the grace of desire, and I don't want to confuse you, but my greatest, deepest spiritual burden has always been the grief that I'm not where I long to be in God. That's been my greatest burden in my life. That I'm not where I long to be in God. Now, before you start saying, well, pastor, we don't live under condemnation. I'm not, I'm not talking about a feeling of condemnation that I'm not good enough. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I'm talking, you know, we all must overcome the condemnation of our old sin and our past. And that happens as we begin to come under the blood of Jesus. Amen? Come under the blood of Jesus and the blood of the cross. Um, and even John said, if our heart condemns us, God's greater than our heart. But I'm not talking about that tonight. I'm not speaking about that. I'm talking about that which is down deep within you that's yearning for more, that's desirous for more. Uh, it, it, you know, it, 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 you got to stop for just a second and understand what I'm saying. I'm not speaking of this but rather God's gracious provoking desire in our heart and in our life. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because there was a desire in his heart. Amen. He didn't come for a miracle to be healed. He came because he said you are performing miracles and everybody knows you can't do the things that you're doing except you be of God. There's something about you that I want there's something that you're you know that's attractive about you and I've come in the middle of the night I, you know I just want to ask you and of course we know John 3 uh, chapter 3 that Jesus had that dialogue with him you, you know you, you can't enter and you can't even see the kingdom of heaven except you be born again you got to get born of God before you can even see the kingdom of heaven much less go there but reading that I thought about that Nicodemus was so drawn by the by God he was drawn. There was, a, there was a hunger and a gracious desire. A, a desire that God put in him. It was a grace that God gave to him. Zacchaeus, you know, he didn't need a miracle. Amen. He needed a miracle of salvation, but he didn't need a physical miracle. But he was a short little man, and he said, the crowd is strong in Jesus. So he ran, and he climbed up that tree, and he was looking. And what was so awesome is his pursuit caused Jesus to stop and look up at him and say come down Zacchaeus I'm coming to your house tonight I'm speaking to you about a desire a grace that God put in you and I that's, that's desire for him Cornelius he didn't need a miracle a physical miracle he just wanted more of God 
of the book of Acts, Cornelius, the Ethiopian eunuch, needed somebody to explain it to him. We know Philip said, I got your answer. Not only did he get saved and come to Christ, he got baptized right there on the spot. Amen. What am I saying? None of these needed a miracle, but desired God strong enough to step out of their norm. Paul said that I may know him. It's because of a grace called desire that convinces you that there's more of God to possess. Amen. Amen. That has ever been my prayer. And one day, God answered that burden in my heart and He birthed this church. He birthed this church. This church was birthed out of a prayer meeting of months and months and months of me just praying and seeking the Lord. And even getting frustrated in prayer and saying, God, what? You know, and but one day he told me, get up and start walking. And that's when I started walking down First Street and Wallace there right behind the Children's Museum. And I got to that corner and the Spirit of God spoke to me and he said, you're going to start a church in this city. This was in 19, this was in 1999. He spoke that to me. You're going to start a church in this city. And I said, where? And he told me exactly where. And guess what? That's where we started it. And he told me everything the way it was going to be played out. And I'm so grateful today because it come from a desire unto God. And he birthed something out of that desire and prayer. Okay. And um, now let's talk about Hannah for just a moment here. Hannah was provoked year after year. Verse 7 says that as Elkanah did every year. So year by year, they went up to the house of the Lord. And, um, uh, and, El- and uh, Penina, rather, her, her, uh, her provoker, her adversary, provoked her to the degree that she wept sore, or wept and did not eat, I should say. But she was provoked year after year after year. Every time they'd go up, no child. And her prayer... Never changed. I can tell you, she went back and she said, Lord, minister to this. Please give me a child all these years. But in this particular instance, in this particular encounter, something changed. What changed, Pastor? Well, when Elkanah said, am not I better to thee than ten sons? Because that's what he said in verse 8. Because they sat down uh, to begin to, I believe, partake of that meal. And and Elkanah, her husband, uh, said unto her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why won't you eat? And why is your heart so grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? And as I read that, I thought, Lord, something changed there. What he was saying, and I think a lot of times people you might try to tell them how you're feeling but have you ever spoken to somebody and you're trying to convey to them how you feel but they just don't have the answer for you they just don't speak to you what you need to hear and what you, what's really going to fill that void only God can do that only God can do that church let me tell you tonight only God can give you a desire and only God can fill that desire 
Only he can do that. But what he was in essence saying is, can't you just accept the situation the way it is? Can't you just accept the plight that you've got? You've got no children, but you got me. Am I not enough? And you know, you know what, what he was saying to her is, can't you just be satisfied with me as your solution? But he could not solve her problem. He could not remedy the emptiness down deep within her. He could not remove that reproach or remove that barrenness. Only God could do that. Only God could do that and provoke her to a place of prayer and faith to bring about the greatest birthing of a miracle, which was Samuel. Sometimes we look for a spouse or a relationship to solve our problems. The problems of our emptiness and our barrenness of our heart. And only God can do that. There's not a pastor that can do that, even though men of God and pastors and and evangelists and counselors or Christian counselors and teachers, preachers, they can speak something to you from the Word of God. We have that. I'm not discounting that. But there is a place, there is something that only God can answer in your spirit. And you got to know that tonight. Amen. And as you search and you seek, you're going to find Him. He's going to respond to you. So sometimes we look forward in somebody else. Fill my emptiness. Fill my barrenness. Fill this in my heart. But only God can do that. Only God could answer and fill the void of the woman at the well. Amen. Jesus knew how to do it. He knew exactly where she was. He met her right there. Amen. Amen. He met her right there. And he said, your problem is that you've been trying to fill your life with a man, with a natural, with a natural thing, uh, and you're never going to fill it, my dear friend. It's going to have to be the Lord. But he said, if you drink of this water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. Amen. When you need to be filled, praise, that was a weak patty cake clap. Amen. You know, I know you're hearing me and everything, but it's all right to clap and shout and say, Amen, I don't care. You're not going to upset me or bother me. I'm not troubled. Amen. (laughs) But only Christ and His words could speak to her and say, You've got a void in your life. Amen. You know, there's times that I've preached things from the pulpit, preached a great message, in my opinion, and at the end of the service, somebody will come up and they'll say, man, that was the greatest message. This is what God spoke to me, and they tell me something, and I'm like, I didn't mention anything about that at all. That wasn't anywhere near the perimeter of my message. But see, the anointing of God will speak to you and teach you. Amen. He knows how to talk to you in a service or in a situation. I've sat in front of people and they were talking about something else and the Spirit of God convicted me, dealt with me about something. That's how powerful God is. He's awesome. He plants that desire. Amen. Plants that desire in our heart. And that's a grace from God. That didn't come from you. You may think it came from you. didn't just decide one day to go to church. Decide one day I'm going to get saved. Decide, you know what? I just think I need to turn my life around. God put that in you. That's His grace. It's God that draws us and woos us unto Himself. So, you know, there's been times that Angela, 
I went to her, or I, I was at a place where I was broken, or I just, she could tell something was wrong with me, and she said, what's wrong with me? Talk to me. And I said, with all due respect to you as my wife, there are some things that only God can speak to me. So all I ask you to do is pray for me. And she said, I will. She said, I understand. Our spouses, our friends, our closest relationships can listen and they can encourage, but there are spiritual problems that only He who gave us life can fix or satisfy. Amen. He's the one that put eternity there in our heart. He's the only one that can fill it with eternal things. That was the moment that Hannah's prayer changed because her desire changed. Did you hear me? When her prayer changed, her desire changed. It changed that. When she realized, you know what? I'm not going to accept the situation as it is. I cannot accept you, Elkanah, as my satisfaction in my life. You're not better than ten sons. Because see, what I need is an answer to my prayer. Because God speaking to me, God answering my prayer is greater and more, uh, it's, it's, it's what's going to give me the verdict of peace in my spirit, not you or what you can give me. And uh, that was the moment that her prayer began to change. I'm just going by the word of God here and using this as an outline for preaching. Because her desire changed and that was the grace of God that put that there. How did it change? Well, she began to pray. And in bitterness of soul, she prayed and she wept sore unto the Lord. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my affliction of your handmaid and remember me and not forget my handmaid, but will give unto my hand, thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. And I was reading that and I thought, Lord, our trials don't come to destroy us, but to birth something in us. Amen. Christ, what does it birth in us? It births in us Christ's motives. It births in us Christ's perspective, God's perspective, God's nature. It, it, it births in us His ultimate end. His final end, what He wants. All things work together for the good to those who love God and are thee called according to His purpose. Everything is working to come to the glorious finality that God wants in all of our lives and for our lives and in our surrounding and in our family. It was no longer for Hannah or Elkanah to have a child, but it was unto God. It was for God. The Bible says that in verse 11. I just read it to you. And she said, I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. All the days of his life. With a Nazarite vow. Because she said his head ain't going to be shaved. Amen. He's going to be, you know, like, like Samson. Even though Samson, you know, needed another dip. Amen. But he had some problems. But, but he had a Nazarite vow. And uh, uh, he was dedicated unto the Lord. And she said, I'm going to give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. See, all of our problems, God turns for his glory. He turns messes into messages. Right? 
He turns, he turns tests that we go through into testimonies. Isn't that true? He changes us from a place of being a victim to being a victor. In Jesus' name. He turns our trials into triumphs. She wanted a son to give to her husband. But God wanted a prophet for a nation. God's doing something greater than our prayer. Than answering just our prayer. He's doing something greater. His will was bigger and grander and bolder than Hannah's was, than what she could even see. You know, the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to think or even begin to ask according to the power that worketh within us. God is doing something through us and in us, and it's greater than what we see right before us. Aren't you grateful for that tonight? And He puts that desire in us to bring that about. It moves it further down the road or further on this journey. And God wanted something greater than what Hannah could even see. God wanted a renewed priesthood. He wanted a fresh vision, a fresh leadership. He wanted to raise up a faithful priest in Samuel. Are you hearing me tonight? Eli's sons in chapter 2 were corrupt. Eli had lost his own vision. He let the light go out where the ark of the covenant was that was never supposed to go out it was to be a perpetual flame it was never to go out but he allowed it to go out he had no discernment he couldn't discern between the fact that whether she was drunk or whether she was broken there was no more discernment in that priesthood there was no more open vision the bible says there was no more of that it was just void of god that's why whenever the uh, paninas i believe it was paninas uh uh, not paninas I'm sorry, that was the woman. Phineas, when I knew it started with the P, amen. When Phineas' wife had that baby, and the ark had been taken, and the, the sons had died, and Eli had died, she said, Name him Ichabod, for the Spirit of the Lord has departed. Because the discernment was gone. Eli wasn't hearing God's voice anymore. God is always setting out in every generation, in every dispensation, in every life to stir a grace of desire for a purpose. Because He's trying to bring us all into a greater place in Himself for His perfect will. He has a destiny for our life. And it's not a destiny like you've heard the last 30 years uh, that will give you a better self-image or a, even a better life. Look, God wants your bills to be paid. He wants a roof over your head and food on your table. He wants you to have your necessities taken care of. He's going to do that for you. But that became people's gospel. That became, uh, you know, covetousness was what they were preaching, veiled under a, a, what seemed like a, a message, a spiritual message. But it was, it was, my pastor used to say it best. He said, that same greed operates in Vegas. And it became something of, you know, God was like Santa Claus and he's going to give me everything that I want. Let me tell you something. He has a greater, greater destiny for you than for you to have a comfortable lifestyle upon this earth and for you to live like a king. Are you hearing me? That's, he, wants, he wants you and I to know Him. He wants you and I to have this deep relationship with Him. Amen. You know, 
It's like somebody said one time, a preacher stood up and said one time, my faith, gave, my faith got me a jet airplane. And Brother Clendenin said, my faith delivered me from the vanity of wanting one. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a desire that God wants to stir in your heart and my heart. And I hope I'm making sense tonight and you're getting what I'm saying. God is always setting out in every generation, every dispensation, in every life to stir a grace of desire. Jeremiah said in the 31st chapter, Jeremiah 31, I want to read this to you, and it's repeated again in Hebrews 8. I won't read it in both places, but you can read it on your own time. But uh, he, uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 31, it says this, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Now I know he's talking a lot of this is millennial, okay? But still to this day, we know that Jesus, whenever he said it is finished on the cross, there was a new covenant established through the blood of the cross and through the sacrifice. And we, we, he atoned for our sins. He redeemed us. Amen. He redeemed us. Everybody that comes under that, the, the covenant of God's grace and his blood, he redeems us. And we're redeemed by the blood of the lamb and the work of the cross. And, and, and he put that in our heart. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I used to be going this way until Jesus came in and I turned and I started going this way. <laughs> Amen. You know, a change in desire is really the beginnings of God birthing you and I to be saved. That's when it starts. It's a few months before I got saved, but God was already tugging on my heart. He was already changing my desire. He did that in you. Amen. Many of you sitting in here, you can go back to that time and you can say, I remember before I come to Christ and I really surrendered my life, God was dealing with me for a period of time. And you sat in church many times and you said, well, you know, I'm just about ready to go to that altar. I'm just about ready to just go down there and I watch everybody else. I'm just about ready. Amen. There's going to come a day when you're going to step out. And you're going to walk down and you're going to come down. And you're going to have a birthday, a spiritual birthday. Aren't you thankful for your spiritual birthday? He said, I'll put my law in their hearts. I'll change everything. And I'll remember their sin no more. I think that's so beautiful what God does in our lives. He puts that desire in our heart. And I know that's a desire to be saved. But there's also as Christians and believers a desire for Him. A greater desire. And that, that's God's grace working in us so much more. You know God birthed a prophet. But not only did He birth a prophet. But he birthed a worshiper. The Bible says in 
Let me go back to 1 Samuel, verse 28. The Bible says, Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. Hannah said, As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. So he was a worshiper. He was a prophet. He was a man. It was a young man that grew into a, 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 a priest of God or a prophet of God. And he began to hear the voice of God. And you can read that in the third chapter if you want later. Don't do it right now. But he began to hear the voice of God as he began to, to, to speak to him and say, Samuel, you know, and he, he became a priest, a judge. And not only was that what was birthed, you know, so much was accomplished through Samuel being born. But Hannah had a testimony like none other. You can read that whole second chapter, not the whole second chapter, but several verses down, uh, all the way down to, I think, the, uh, the tenth, the tenth uh, verse uh, of, of chapter 2, 1 Samuel 2, is Hannah's testimony that the Lord, uh, my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There was a rejoicing. There was a testimony. There was a worship that came into her life. And it changed the trajectory of the nation of Israel. And it will change your life and my life. So I just want to close tonight and say this to you. You know, because as I was in prayer this week, I don't just, you know, just sit in my office and just think, you know, what am I going to preach tonight? What am I going to teach? What am I? The Lord's stirring me in my prayer time. And he says, this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to say. And in prayer, the Lord specifically put in my heart, he said, there is, and especially with the younger generation, he said, I want you to say to them tonight that they need to heed that first, uh, that verse that I read, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, that your labor not be in vain. There's, there's young, young adults and young people, and, and, and he wants me to say this to you tonight. I believe this with all my heart. He said, don't allow, don't allow the enemy to cause you to draw back. This is not a message. This is, a, I believe, a prophetic word he wants me to say. Don't allow, don't allow the enemy to draw you back. Don't draw back. You know, in your steadfastness, but begin to be moving forward. Begin to, you know, continue in that steadfastness, abounding in the things of God, abounding in prayer. Because there's a frustration that comes at times because we don't see what we want to see when we want to see it. But God has a perfect time. And He had a perfect time for that baby to be born. He had a perfect time. For, the, for Samuel to be birthed and to, and to come into existence. And, 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 and he was right smack dab in the middle of God's perfect plan. God never skips a beat. He raised up a high priest. What I'm trying to say to you is don't move or draw back from your steadfastness. And you, amen, that are believing God for something, don't give up. Believe in God for your marriage to be healed, to be restored. Believe in God for your children or maybe your body or maybe you've got a child that's lost and undone away from God. 
Maybe you're believing God for that. God will do that. Maybe even in your own life, you're saying, you know what? I just want more. That's the whole purpose of this message. God grants you that or gives you the desire. And it's a grace from him down in your heart. It's a grace that he stirs your heart. It's a grace that he draws you to prayer. So when you're laying there in your bed at night and you wake up at three in the morning and you, I don't know why I woke up. God's saying, Samuel, Samuel. He's saying, Gabe, Gabe. Kyle, Kyle, amen, Maida, Maida, I'm trying to get your attention, come, let's pray, come talk to me, God wants to talk to us, wants to speak to us, we're living in a time where there's all kinds of voices trying to pull us, all kinds of influences trying to pull us, I'm going to tell you something, if this whole world circles the drain, and it is, you can just see it, it's terrible, amen, it's terrible, But you know what? God is still on the throne. No matter what's happening out in our world. I don't care if gas is $15 a gallon. God is still God. Amen. Amen. I don't care if we got a bag of rice we got to boil and put together and split between all of us. God is still God. Amen. He's going to take care of us. Our focus cannot be our relationship with God and our, I hate to use the word religion, but our faith and religion cannot be looking at this world. We've got to look beyond it. We've got to see that this world is not our home, but we're passing through here. We've got something greater awaiting us. Amen. And God's put a desire in us praise the Lord to draw near unto him be closer to him and fulfill his perfect will because ultimately when we stand before him I can tell you it ain't going to matter who is president it ain't going to matter how much we had in our bank account what we drove where we lived it's not going to matter what we accomplished in this life except what crosses over into eternity what makes it through that fire of judgment that's what's going to matter amen that's what matters. You came into this world with nothing on, and you're going to go out with nothing. You're not going to, you can wear your Gucci's, you can wear your whatever Versace glasses or whatever. You can have all the expensive stuff you want when you're in that casket. Guess what? You're going to wake up in his presence in a white robe if you're right with God, a robe of righteousness. But it ain't going to matter what you had here, you can't take it with you. Let God put that desire down deep within you. Let him put that desire down deep within you. I just, the Lord's told me two times, I want to share this. Please just give me just a few more minutes and I'll dismiss you. Years ago, I've shared this, but this is for somebody tonight. I hadn't heard it. Years ago, talking about a, a grace of desire. You know, um, you, many of you know I came from a broken home. I wasn't raised with my dad. My dad had a new family. and We grew up without him. And uh, I reconciled back with him. And then we had a, a, a falling out and we were separated again. And uh, I remember having a very piecemeal relationship with him after Angela and I got married. And um, I always wanted a guitar from my dad. And I always said, God, I want you to give me a guitar from my dad. I want something that's his. I'm not, not value, but sentimental means something to me. And I remember my little brother had a guitar and he said, Dad gave me this. And I thought, you don't even play. <laughs> you don't even play. And I thought, I play. I play for God, you know. I just want one of my dad's guitars. I don't care which one it is, even if it came across the border and it was bought by one of those vendors. 
I just want a guitar that was my dad's because that's my dad. And I remember I prayed and I said, God, please, I want this. And I prayed and I poured my heart out. But it wasn't really the guitar. It was the relationship I wanted. Okay? And I remember a year or so or ever how long. I don't even remember how long it was, but it was a while. But I went out and I was at my dad's church and he saw me. Specifically, I asked the Lord to make sure he talked to him because I wasn't going to ask him for it. I wasn't even going to breathe that I wanted one. I said, I want you to talk to his heart. Well, my dad saw me. He said, son, got something for you. He brought that guitar out. He put that guitar up in front of me. And he said, I just want you to know, son. He said, the Lord's been talking to me. And he said, I want to give you this guitar. And I thought, well, praise God. He had 42, so I thought one wouldn't hurt him. My dad's a phenomenal guitar player. Phenomenal, phenomenal guitar player. And he said, this is for you, son. He said, the Lord spoke to me in the middle of the night. He told me to give you this. So I said, praise God. So I took it out there and I put it in my car. The Holy Ghost, he said, Jonathan, he said, you know who told him to do that? I said, you did, Lord. He said, that's right. He said, I heard your prayer. That's all he had to say. It wasn't about the guitar. You know, I realized that it wasn't even at that point the relationship with my dad and I, but that God actually heard me. God heard me. He heard me. Oh, I'm telling you what. I stood up and God said, I heard you. See, what you don't realize is I put that desire down deep within you. There was an emptiness, a barrenness, or whatever that was there. And he said, that drove you to a place, and you're praying for something you didn't even realize was not really the final end of it. What I was after was you and me. And I took you into another understanding in your relationship with me. Isn't God so wonderful? He puts that grace of desire in our heart. It's a grace. So when he calls you to prayer, respond. When he says, open up my word, I want to talk to you. Respond. He loves us. Amen. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, tonight I thank you for the word of God tonight. And Lord, I've tried my very best to Say it as quickly as I could. You're so wonderful, Lord. You're so timely. And tonight, before we leave this place, right where we're sitting, or maybe perhaps you want to talk to somebody in this altar, I don't want to leave until I know, God, that what you've desired to do is done. I ask you tonight to draw Talk to us, God. Minister to us tonight. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Thank you, Lord. I'm of a firm belief that you minister the word and you give people a little bit of time or whatever to just begin to digest that to cash that promissory note 
in the altar and uh, let them pray and process that in their lives and apply it. And, and, and I want to give you that moment tonight while we're here before we leave. You hear you say, Pastor, I just want to pray in my seat or I want to come and pray in the altar. Before we leave tonight, I want to give you that opportunity as we sing this song. 